Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now, it's time! Hello and welcome along to the One Man Team Podcast. I am Gabriel, back again for episode three here on this uh, rather windy Friday afternoon. Um, yeah, here to talk about uh, obviously the um, the goings on in the last week of football. So um, I did my last episode last Friday. Um, it's now obviously it's July, and um, there's been you know, quite a, quite a lot of goings on in uh, football this week, and uh, in general, and um, of course uh, of course Arsenal having a good week with uh, two wins from two games. And um, yeah, looking looking like uh, improvement, and uh, you know, looking like they're improving rapidly under Arteta, and hopefully this is a sign of things to come, and um, not just a not just a temporary uh, a temporary uh, form blast. So um, yeah, three wins in a row now, two and two. So I'll be talking about Arsenal mainly, uh, their path in the FA Cup, and in the Premier League. And also some other um, goings on in the Premier League. Lots of uh, lots of controversy this week. So um, we'll just go we'll just go into the episode right now. So um, from uh, from last week. So obviously uh, the weekend last weekend um, the FA Cup took centre stage. Uh, it, it was at the quarter final stage. Uh, just Premier League teams left in the competition. Now no Championship sides or League One sides or anyone like that left in the competition, unfortunately. So um, not many, not much room for any like giant killings or things like that, which are synonymous with the FA Cup. I'm going to start off obviously on uh, the Sunday Sunday lunchtime kickoff between Sheffield United and Arsenal at Bramwell Lane. Um, it was a tough, tough game. Tough game, obviously, against uh, Sheffield United, who are obviously doing fairly well in the Premier League this season. For especially for a newly promoted team, when you consider um, how badly you know Norwich are, do, are doing and how much Aston Villa are struggling, the fact that Sheffield United and a newly promoted team who haven't been in the Premier League for a long time have uh, have done what they've done this season is a testament to them. And the work that they've put in over there. So um, yeah, good job there from Chris Wilder and the um, and the players at Sheffield United. Uh, it was a a good start from them, uh, putting Arsenal under a lot of pressure. Arsenal, who they welcomed back David Luiz after his uh, two game suspension. And um, I've got to say, I wasn't too thrilled when that first came out. But Louise did play fairly well um, against Sheffield United, so it was a good decision by Mikel Arteta there. Um, disallowed goal early in the game, I believe it was eight minutes in. Uh, VAR disallowing a, um, a Sheffield United goal for offside, rightly so. Two players offside, um, you know, behind the last line of defence. It was a fairly standard, fairly standard decision, and. Um, yeah, not uh, not too, not too much of a not too much of a hassle. We will get onto some VAR controversy later, so don't worry about that. That's uh, that's coming a bit later. Um, then after that, Arsenal sort of did come into the game. Um, Lacazette won a penalty, uh, which was a clumsy tackle, I believe it was by Chris Basham from Sheffield United. A clumsy tackle from him and Pepe Juli start the penalty away. Um, 
then uh, David Luiz had to come off early in the second half for uh, for he had a, it looked like he had a, a knee injury and uh, Rob Holding had to come on that did make the defence a bit more shaky with um, Holding Mustafi and um, and Kalasinac as a back three um, as Arsenal had gone with a back three uh, Bellerin and Tierney were wing backs that day and uh, they also deployed that against Norwich as well that tactic uh, yeah poor defending from um, well, I called them set pieces. Obviously, uh, a throw in is a kind of a set piece. It's not. Uh, it's not exactly like a corner or a free kick or anything like that. But it is kind of a set piece. So, poor defending again there. Uh, a long throw in, which Sheffield United were doing all day and um, exploiting Arsenal uh, the way they used to against Stoke. That brought back some PTSD with uh, Rory Delap just destroying, just destroying our defence over and over again with long throw ins. Um, I mean, I'm I'm amazed that things like that still happen in in this day and age in football. But I suppose you play to your strengths, so uh, fair enough. And um, yeah, it got a it got a goal in the end. It was causing Arsenal problems all day, and in the end, um, it got a goal. Uh, terrible defending, throw it long throw in um, from the left hand side or, or Arsenal's right hand side. It was Sheffield United's left hand side. As they were attacking and uh, came in, Kalasinac decided to uh, take a day off and uh, kick the ball against Mustafi. And the ball, obviously, it fell straight to Sheffield United player McGoldrick, who put it straight past Martinez. And um, 1-1, that was with five minutes to go. Was it five minutes? I think it was around five minutes to go. And uh, at that point, it looked like Sheffield United uh, were in the ascendancy and that they might actually knock us out of the FA Cup at the quarterfinal stage, which would have been... Pretty bad, considering we had been leading the game for a long time and seemed to be fairly in control of it. Despite Sheffield United's pressure, we were quite in control of the game. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, um, a breakaway for Arsenal late in the game. Uh, Enketia setting Pepe away, who couldn't get it under control. Luckily, um, Danny Ceballos came along, took control of the situation and uh, put it past... Uh, put it past Dean Henderson with a, a really good finish. Dean Henderson did make it a little bit easy for him, I feel. Um, as a goalkeeper, you'd be quite disappointed with the way he conceded the conceded the goal. He let um, Ceballos sort of, or not get round him, but um, put the stick the ball sort of on the ground past him to his left as he was diving, and the angle was quite acute. So I think you'd be quite disappointed if you were Dean Henderson. Um, Obviously, Dean Henderson being hyped up as the next next England number one, um, which I still think he probably will be, but we've got to be careful with this because it, it's been shown in the past when England players get a bit of hype surrounding them, it goes to their head a little bit and they start performing quite badly rather than just focusing on the football and uh, trying to block out the noise and just focus on the football and um, you know just get get down to get their heads down and uh, learn their craft and keep honing their craft. But, um, yeah, obviously delighted with the Ceballos um, winner. And, uh, you know, it meant Arsenal went into the semi-final again. Uh, obviously, we're, we're quite... Um, we're the most successful team in FA Cup history. Just thought I'd drop that little nugget in there for you. So uh, it was obviously obviously good to um, get into the semi-final, despite the, the terrible season we've had up to this point. I mean, by our standards, obviously, the last few years Arsenal have been pretty, pretty poor overall. But um, normally, we are, you know, better than that, better than we have shown this season, the last couple of seasons. But yeah, good to get into the FA Cup semi-final again. Our reward was uh, drawing Manchester City, which uh, 
is is fun considering the two games we played we've lost on aggregate six nil two three nil losses so um yeah that's that uh, should be fun great um it's going to be at Wembley Stadium um speaking of Manchester City they beat uh Newcastle in one of the other quarterfinals um fairly standard win and um never really looked in any danger Newcastle did waste a golden chance when Manchester City were one nil up um the Dwight Gale, the ball fell to him about five, six yards out. You'd expect him to put it away, and he somehow put it over the bar. It almost looked like it was harder to miss the goal than, than to score. Um, or, you know, it was, sorry, harder. Yeah, it almost looked like it was harder to miss than to actually put the ball in the net. It would have been harder to miss than put the ball in the net. That's what I meant to say. So, um, yeah, it was uh, pretty poor. And then literally a minute later, Manchester City run up the other end, and Sterling... Sterling puts it away. It's a, a very good goal by Sterling, and um, yeah, the tie was over after that. And Newcastle really didn't pose too many problems after that. Um, on the Saturday, Manchester United beat Norwich in extra time, so uh, it was one-one, and then it went into extra time. Norwich were down to ten men for extra time, and uh, Harry Maguire came up with the winning goal for Manchester United. So. Um, yeah, good for him, and uh, obviously Man United doing fairly well uh, under Solskjaer, who, I've got to be honest, I didn't think I, um, he would survive this season. I thought um, he would you know, be found out and he wouldn't make it work with Manchester United, but he somehow has made it work, so credit to him, credit where it's due. Um, I had him down as being being out of the job by Christmas. Uh, this this season, so um, I guess yeah, don't listen to me when it comes to when it comes to predictions and things like that. So um, a yeah, good job for him, Man United into the semi-finals as well, and they will face Chelsea at Wembley. And uh, Chelsea, who beat Leicester uh, one nil away, it was a, a poor game at the King Power Stadium. Leicester, who starting the season well, they look like they're in free fall currently at the moment. So um, you you can't see where their next win's going to come from. Uh, they they don't look great. Vardy's out of sorts. The the defense is not as tight as it was, and they seem to have run out of steam. It looks like uh, it looks like a kind of typical Brendan Rodgers um, team, uh, as you associate it with, because they they start off the season really well, and then sort of towards the end of the season they run out of gas. I don't know if that's whether he is is not rotating the squad enough, or he's not changing it up enough, whatever it may be, but. They seem to have, yeah. They seem to have run out of ideas, run out of, uh, run out of gas, and uh, they could lose their Champions League spot, which we will get to in a bit. The um, so yeah, the semi-final lineup at Wembley, uh, obviously with no fans again, um, which is obviously a shame, but uh, it's uh, the right thing to do. And um, it will be Arsenal, City, and uh, Man United, Chelsea for a place in the FA Cup final, which I believe is going to be played. Uh, those semi-finals will be played late July, and the final will be played early August before the Champions League resumes in early August. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And then um, Arsenal playing Norwich on Wednesday, their first game back at the Emirates Stadium. So they had four away games to after the um, restart of football after the lockdown. So um, good to be back at home at the Emirates Stadium. First game was against bottom of the table Norwich. Uh, obviously, who desperate for a win because they're struggling to maintain their status as a Premier League team currently. Uh, they're 
six points adrift at the bottom of the table, so they really did need a win. Uh, they had a, a decent start. Um, Arsenal a little bit slow to get into the game, but uh, Norwich had a decent start. They did hit the post when it was at nil-nil, which may may have made this a different game. Uh, Godfrey, Ben Godfrey, hitting the um, hitting a, a long shot. It was about thirty-five yards, I think, and. Um, yeah, he hit it. He hit it very, very hard, and it hit. It actually flicked the outside of the post. Martinez didn't get a touch on it. it hit the outside of the post, and uh, very unlucky. It was very well struck. Uh, after that, um, Norwich gifted Arsenal the first goal. Tim Krul, uh getting <laughs> getting into his own head, maybe with uh, getting stuck in um, two minds. Maybe it was four minds from the way he was trying to play, and uh, Aubameyang nicked the ball off him, much like Nketiah did to. Uh, the Southampton goalkeeper, I think it was McCarthy. Um, apologies for that, I should know that. But um, yeah, similar to that goal, uh, Aubameyang stole the ball off of uh, Krul's feet and then uh, put the ball in, the, in an empty net. And uh, 1-0 to Arsenal, Aubameyang broke his scoring duct and that made him the fastest Arsenal player to 50 goals in the Premier League. So um, he scored 50 goals and uh, later on he added his 51st. Um, in 79 games, which is four less than the um, the greatest Arsenal striker in history, Thierry Henry. Uh, and it was um, about, I think it was eight less than Ian Wright. So, um, yeah, pretty good. Very good there from Aubameyang. Obviously, we need to try and tie him down to a, a new contract. Um, after that, uh, a few minutes later, I believe it was four minutes later, Granite Xhaka uh, was uh, was set in for a goal. Uh, very good play, David Luiz with the long ball over to Kieran Tierney, who brought it down. And then he, uh, Tierney is always threatening down that left-hand side. Uh, just sl slid it into Aubameyang, who in turn slid it into Granite Xhaka, who fired a first-time shot past Tim Krul, and it actually went through Tim Krul's legs. So, um, yeah, very good uh, to see Xhaka on the score on the score sheet. Um, seems to be redeeming himself completely now from that Crystal Palace incident earlier in the season, and he's actually one of our key players now. So, it's amazing uh, the turnaround that can happen. Uh, just. Maybe maybe that's the maybe that was the the motivation he needed. Who knows? Obviously, the vitriol was quite was quite uh, it was a bit unjustified earlier in the season. I think uh, I think people were just taking their anger to, towards the team out on Shaka. You know, obviously in football, everyone loves to scapegoat someone. So I think Shaka just got the end of the vitriol there. It was it was pretty poor form. By both, by all, by all sides, I think the Arsenal fans booing him pretty poor form, and uh, and Shaka, you know, goading the fans pretty poor form as well. But I think everyone sort of moved forward, and he's now one of the key players. So that's that's great to see. Uh, half time, no dramas, two nil. Uh, Norwich made a few changes at the start of the second half, came out better, and um, for the first twenty minutes, actually dominated dominated possession. I think uh, don't think Arsenal really expected that, and they kind of let Norwich almost back into the game if Norwich had scored it it might have been a different game at that point but luckily they didn't and um, in fact they gifted a third goal to Arsenal when um, a, a terrible terrible uh, pass across across the uh, penalty area from Norwich resulted in um, Aubameyang picking up the ball and just sliding it past Tim Krul and uh, he did his uh, customary or trademark celebration of a front flip. So, um, yeah, the game was over by that point, and uh, it was Norwich. It really knocked the stuffing out of them, and they, they really couldn't come back after that point. And there was no no chance for them really to come back. 
Um, and then Arsenal made a few changes. They managed to bring on Cedric Suarez for his debut, uh, newly signed, of course, from Southampton, uh, free agent. So it could turn out to be quite a shrewd move for him, Arsenal. Uh, we need, we've needed cover at, at right back for a long time now. Uh, obviously, Bellerin coming back from that, that terrible injury. Uh, has not looked the same for for a while now since he's come back. He, I, th- I think I've seen him play one really good game against Chelsea earlier this season when he scored the goal. And then since then he hasn't been really, really great. And he has Maitland-Niles as his backup who really doesn't want to play right back even though he has been a really good right back recently for Arsenal. So it's a shame he doesn't want to play there. But I understand he wants to be in, in midfield. But right back might be his his uh, position going forward um I'd, I'd urge him to sort of give it a try look at the progression that Saka made earlier this season playing out of position at left back so you know give it a try uh, obviously he does want to play midfield but he might be more suited to playing right back or right wing back uh, as it might be going forward as Bellerin does not look great but Cedric Suarez coming on for his debut after signing in January uh, finally being able to make his debut and um, yeah, he came on and actually scored a, a, a brilliant goal it came out to him from a corner controlled it with his right foot smashed it in with his left foot and it was uh, a great way to introduce yourself to uh, to the Arsenal and uh, a great way to make your debut he's actually the first pl- the first Arsenal player to make his debut and score a goal since Aubameyang did in uh, January 2018 or was it February 2018 I think it was February 2018 but certainly the first Arsenal player to score a goal on his debut since Aubameyang so yeah you would not have uh, not have thought that out of the right back and he did look promising putting in a few crosses and things like that so obviously coming back to full fitness and full health will be his primary concern but he will be giving Bellerin a run for his money and uh, it will be making Bellerin look over his shoulder which is something you do want you want competition in the squad so hopefully that in that inspires Bellerin to improve his performances because they've been lacklustre for a long time. Um, I'm not one of these people who thinks that Bellerin should be replaced by Maitland-Niles or Cedric straight away, like a few other Arsenal fans were suggesting, but I just think he needs to sort of, you know, buck his buck his ideas up and and, and this should inspire him to, to do better and to, to be a better player. Um... Other than that, so it was a pretty routine win in the end, 4-0 to Arsenal against Norwich. And uh, other than that, uh, good news as well for Arsenal this week. More good news uh, that Bukayo Saka has finally signed a new contract as well. It always looked like he was going to. It was just a matter of when. And um, it was just a matter of, yeah, um, when, not if. Um, like at Bamiyang's one, that's uh, if, not when. So we will see what happens with that over the next few weeks. But yeah, Bukayo Saka... Big talent from the Arsenal Academy, so obviously you want to keep someone like that around, um, someone who wants to play for the club and who wants to be, you know, an integral part of the club going forward. So that's good. That's uh, good news. Um, other than that, um, yeah. So Aubameyang uh, being the fastest to fifty in the league, faster than Thierry Henry and Ian Wright. Uh, that's some esteemed companies in. So congratulations to him. Uh, if he'd come to Arsenal a couple of years earlier than he did maybe in 2016 I would say he might have had a chance to beat Henri's record um, in terms of goal scoring but uh, his future obviously remains up in the air so I'm not too sure if that will happen but he'll still go down as one of our best strikers Um, obviously uh, a natural finisher and he's been a great finisher wherever he's been so 
it's uh, always good to see that and and some people criticize him he's now top of the charts in the premier league so i don't think you can really criticize the way he plays he's done that in a, a team that's been vo- it's been void of creativity for a long time mezzatozal obviously missing again uh, i'm not too sure what's happening with him and it's uh, it's it's getting a bit beyond the joke now it's i know i realize he's you know he's just trying to get back into football just like everyone else but he's being paid the he's being paid the highest amount of of wages at the football club and he's not playing so uh, there's something wrong with that and it needs to be addressed he either needs to be sold or he needs to be told you're you're you've got to buck up your ideas and and improve your attitude because that seems to be what the problem is that is attitude and training and and so forth so We'll see what happens. Um, I'm of the opinion that we should sell Ozil. We should try and get some money for him. He's entering his last year as well, going into 2021. Uh, if we have to bite the bullet and, and keep him for a year, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be another another situation where he'll just miss games over and over, and you can't be having that really at a football club. You need you need people to to be there, committed, and you need people to to get behind the cause, get behind the manager. Especially with Mikel Arteta, his first managerial job, he needs to put a stamp on it and show that he's not a pushover. And to be fair, he has shown that, leaving Ozil out of the squad, leaving Gwendouzi out, who seems to be heading towards the exit door, which will be a shame, because uh, Gwendouzi's a huge talent. But his attitude, you can see his attitude is a bit... At times, it, it can... It, there's a very thin line between being cocky and being arrogant... And uh, just being a jerk, really, and he seems to cross all three on a regular basis. And um, I imagine he's probably like that uh, behind the scenes at training as well. Um, I believe he he probably he probably thinks that he's really good. Um, he is really good, but his temperament needs to catch up with his talent. So um, it's uh, it's obviously a shame. It'll obviously be a, a big shame if he does leave. But we should look into it um, if he's not going to fit the ethos of the club and not fit the ethos of the manager but we have to make sure we do get a big payday for him obviously we should make a profit on him signing him for seven million pounds from Lorient in uh, the French second division um, in 2018 so that was a you know a shrewd move a really good move and uh, that's um yeah, it's it'd be a shame if he does leave. But again, you need players who are committed, players who have the right attitude, players who have the right temperament. So it's not always having superstar players. It's just players who can fit in with the mould, fit in with the ethos of the club. I mean, if you look at Liverpool, obviously Premier League champions, um, no one would have thought that a midfield, that midfield um, bunch that they have, you wouldn't say they're, they're like massive stars. You'd say they're front three are big stars and Van Dijk and Alisson and Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. You'd say they're their big stars at Liverpool. You wouldn't say the midfield, really. But they get the work done and they fit in with the, they fit in with the team. They don't, need to, they don't need to shine so much. You, know, you don't really notice Henderson, Fabinho, really, in there. They just, they just get on with their job and they fit the right temperament and the right mould as to what they're doing. So it's really about just having the right, players that is what i'm trying to say so hopefully hopefully guanduzi can you know improve his attitude improve his temperament and maybe he can progress and be you know become a, a top player at arsenal which i think he will be and i think he should be but we will see it remains to be seen uh lucas Torreira back in training as well i've read today so that's good 
and it looks like they're going to give uh, Martinelli, who is out for the season, uh, it looks like they're going to give him an improved contract to try and keep him at the club and... Um, he just signed a five-year deal after he moved last seat um, at the beginning of this season. So um, the fact that they're trying to sign him to a new deal just shows the commitment to the young players and that they're trying to tie people down quicker than they have done in the past. Obviously, they let the Sanchez situation wind down. They've let Aubameyang wind down. Ozil wound down a few years ago. Um, Ramsey, big example, left uh, for Juventus for free. So it's good that they're being proactive rather than reactive, the Arsenal board, and hopefully it's a trend that will continue because we need more of that at Arsenal. And uh, I think that's I think that's all it uh, for the Arsenal front at the moment. Um, in terms of some other things, so I'll just quickly go through the results, um, and then I'll talk about some VAR controversy, which uh, which will be which I have some quite strong opinions on. So, uh, Brighton lost three nil at home to Man United. Not a big surprise. Man United played fairly well. Brighton were poor that night. Um, yeah, Arsenal obviously beating Norwich four nil. Everton beat Leicester two one, which was a bit of a surprise. I thought it would be, I thought it might be a draw that one. Uh, it was a decent performance by Everton, obviously, uh, and Charlotte, the improvement under him continues, and that's uh, that's good for them. Uh, Bournemouth were beaten 4-1 by Newcastle at um, in Bournemouth, and um, they look to be in free fall. They look to be joining Norwich in the Championship next season. Uh, you can't see where the next win's going to come from, and they've got a very, very tough run in. I think I saw a graphic last night. I think they're playing... Uh, Man United, Man City, Tottenham, uh, Leicester, Southampton and Watford, I think. Uh, where are they playing? Watford? I can't remember all of the fixtures, but uh, they do have a very tough run in. And uh, you just can't see where their win's going to come from. They they were poor against Newcastle, 4-0 down before they even scored a consolation goal in the 93rd minute. And um, yeah, things are looking bleak for Eddie Howe and Bournemouth over there. Um then the, the next night, then later on in the evening, West Ham beach uh, Chelsea three two in a thriller at the London Stadium. That was uh, that was a, a very good game. Actually, I probably think that was the the sort of most free flowing game we've seen since the lockdown came back. It was um, a good back and forth between the, the two London rivals. Uh, West Ham winning out in the end, a key win for them to take them onto thirty points and take them out of the relegation zone. So obviously they'll be very happy with that. David Moyes doing a good job there uh, with that win. Uh, I think it's just his third win since coming back uh, to manage West Ham. So um, yeah, good for them. And uh, Chelsea obviously faltering in the Champions League race there, letting Wolves and Man United back in. Um, then yesterday, uh, so Thursday night, Sheffield United beat Spurs 3-1. Uh, quite a convincing win for Sheffield United. Spurs looked all over the place. Uh, defensively, uh, which is not something you would associate with a Jose Mourinho team usually. Um, but, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I'm here for the Spurs collapse. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I think, um, I don't think Mourinho was the answer. I think Pochettino is the better manager, uh, especially currently. Mourinho had his day a while ago, and I, I just don't think his style of play really fits in with how Spurs play. They play on, they like to, on the Pochettino, they like to play on the front foot and they like to take it to teams with Mourinho. It, it seems to be all about not losing with Mourinho, which is 
Um, not something you, you want to associate with a team in the top six. He's now managed, obviously, in the last few years, Man United and Tottenham. And uh, with the players and, and you know, the, certainly the players at Tottenham and Man United at his disposal, really they should be playing on the front foot. There should be no need to try and not lose, especially against someone like Sheffield United. It's no offence to Sheffield United. Obviously, I said they did well. They've done well this season and um, everything like that. But... Really, you shouldn't be. Your first priority should be to win, not to not lose. It should always be to try and win the game. So, uh, disappointing from him there. Uh, Manchester City had to give Liverpool the guard of honour, obviously, um, as Liverpool were champions. But Liverpool seemed to be hung over from all the celebrations last week. Uh, they lost four nil to Man City. It could have been five, um, but for another VAR decision, which I'll get into as well um, at the end. But Obviously, it doesn't it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Liverpool won the they've won the title. It's just I guess a I don't even know if you'd call it a psychological blow because uh, the title's already over. But I guess it puts Liverpool on notice for next season that Man City will be back and uh, will be challenging them all the way. Uh, speaking of Man City, Leroy Sane has left uh, to go to Bayern Munich. He was in the last year of his contract, and obviously Bayern Munich German player. Bayern Munich pounce um, in their never-ending quest to sign every German player possible. Um, yeah, it's um, obviously a good move for him. A fairly logical move. Most German players do end up at Bayern Munich if they are good enough. So, um, yeah, good move for him. Bad move for City. Uh, they got £44 million for him, which for a talent, uh, for a talent like Lee Rossane at uh, his age, I believe he's about 23, 24, it's um, a good deal for Bayern and um, not such a good deal for City, uh, which they'll have to obviously replace him. Um, he wasn't really getting a, a game anyway because Sterling plays his position and, and Mares was playing fairly well. Bernardo Silva can also play there. So uh, we'll see what they do. I'm sure they've got someone up their sleeve to try and sign. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that was a sort of roundup of the Premier League there and um, it's it's hotting up for the Champions League places uh, between uh, for the Champions League places it's between Leicester, uh, Chelsea, Wolves, and Manchester United. Uh, they're all they're all sort of within a few points of each other. So it's it's going to be quite interesting to the end of the season. Six games left. Uh, I think Wolves might have seven, but uh, yeah, six games left for the majority of teams. So that's going to be interesting as that comes to a conclusion. And uh, a big talking point this week. Uh, just a final talking point. Um, VAR now um, VAR is something that I think the game has needed uh, for a long time uh, to get decisions right referees, linesmen can only do so much uh, without assistance from uh, video refereeing which we've seen in other sports obviously do do um, you know be really effective like in rugby, cricket etc uh, they even do it in basketball for last second shots and things like that so uh, really, football has needed it for a long time, but I just think this current version of VAR it, it's just horrendous, and it, it needs to be scrapped um, until they can get it right. Because one, it takes too long for the decisions to come through, and in the end, it's yes, it's technology, but it's also in the hands of a human referee. Uh, so you've still got that that element of human error, which is something that VAR was supposed to get rid of. Uh, it was supposed to help out the referees, not you know just add another human into the mix to to make the error as well. 
And I know for the majority of these decisions, they were following the letter of the law. But the law either needs to be changed or it needs to be reinterpreted or it needs to be more at the discretion of the referees because some of the decisions this week have been horrendous so start the first one the first one was that west ham the west ham uh phantom goal against chelsea which would have given them a 1-0 lead which chelsea then took the lead straight after that um ball comes in antonio it falls to the floor and uh, suchek puts the ball in for west ham now they said that antonio was offside but he he was on the floor so there's not really and they said that he was impeding the line of of kepa but he's on the floor so i'm not sure what impeding he did to kepa um poor decision poor decision there uh, it took them i think it took them someone said it took them about three and a half four minutes to come up with that decision which is just too long the the game stops you know it's almost it's almost as if players will have to start warming up while they're waiting for the VAR decisions to come in which is not good and uh, it's not something uh, you you don't want to see the game slowed down like that for something as trivial as and it was literally he was on the floor and his head i believe was offside you don't want to see goals disallowed for something trivial like that and it's it's pretty poor from uh from the fa and from the referees there i know it is the letter of the law but the interpretation needs to be slightly different for instances like that um, in the Spurs game, Spurs uh, felt um, very, you know, they felt they felt quite bad that um, you know they were quite angry that uh, their goal was disallowed for VAR from for a handball by Lucas Moura. Um, now, obviously, obviously it was it was a handball, but he is falling down, and the ball was hammered at him by a Sheffield United player. He's on the floor. And the ball hits him and go, hits him on the arm and goes into the path of Harry Kane, who then goes on to score. Now he was being fouled in the process, and the referee played a very good advantage at the time and let Spurs carry on, and they went on to score, which would have been, you know, considered great refereeing in the time. And I don't think even Sheffield United were really even appealing too much, but VAR decided to look at it and uh, they determined that Lucas Moura had handled it, obviously not on purpose, and it went into path of Kane, obviously, and he scored. Uh, another another rule which is a stupid rule it is a stupid rule um if he's falling down like and obviously i'm an arsenal fan anything that happens against spurs i'm usually i'm all for like i don't i don't if if it goes against spurs i don't care really but um that was that was very harsh that one and um if he if they don't give the goal for you know, because they say it's a handball and you can't score, uh, you can't benefit or score a goal by with the ball hitting your hand, then they needed to give the free kick because he was tackled by about two or three Sheffield United players. So they need to go back and give the free kick. But in the end, they just disallowed the goal and Sheffield United um, just restarted the game with the ball. And it was uh, pretty, pretty horrendous, you know, a poor, poor decision, poor decision making from the referees and the VAR referees and... Um, just it, it, if anything, it makes it more controversial than without VAR, which is uh, which is not a good not a good thing. Uh, the same thing happened later, obviously in the C- City Liverpool game. Um, didn't matter at that stage anyway. It was four 0 to City, but uh, Phil Foden falling was falling down, being dragged down by a Liverpool player, and uh, the ball sort of hits his hand and goes into the path of Mares, who goes on to score. They disallowed the goal for the same reason. Stupid interpretation of a silly rule. 
and really VAR in its current form is terrible and um, I think they need to hone out the kinks or get rid of it entirely before uh, trying to before you know trying to implement it properly which is uh, it's not something it's not something you want to see in the game this disallowed goals for things like that so uh, yeah, all in all, pretty poor week for VAR, like we've been saying since the start of the season anyway. So uh, until it's changed or the laws are changed and the interpretation of the laws are changed, uh, it's going to continue being like this. So obviously you don't want to see that in the game. You want the game to be more free-flowing and you want goals to be, you know, you don't want VAR to just become a, a system where it just looks for looks to disallow goals, which is what they seem to be using it for. Um, at the moment, I think if you're going to use it you th in its current form, you should just use it to see if there's offsides or clear fouls in the build-up to goals. Um, it looks at the moment in its current form that it is just a, a system just designed to get rid of um, or disallow goals for teams, which is you know, not something it was brought in for. It was brought in to, to help out referees and, and things like that. It's not. It wasn't brought in to disallow goals and make you wait to celebrate and things like that it, it ruins the game that kind of thing so um yeah i th I agree that var and technology needs to be embraced by football but in its current form no it needs it needs to be it needs to be looked at more carefully and it needs to it needs to come up with a more coherent system a quicker system so that we can get into get back into the flow of the game as quickly as possible um but yeah every, that's everything that's everything for this week so uh Hope you enjoyed it and uh, hope you're having a, a great day and um, yeah, peace. Thank you.